In the popular imagination, Advent is often depicted as the slow liturgical crescendo leading up until Christmas Day. Now, I can remember as a child, my mother, every year, uh, she bought and pinned an Advent calendar to the back of the lounge room door, and right, it was always pinned right next to the plastic Christmas tree. And each day of Advent in the morning, she would let me open one of those little doors on the calendar, and I was presented with uh, a piece of chocolate candy and a delightful little Christmassy image. And so as we come to the Advent worship season, it can be enjoyable to ride the wave of enthusiasm and expectation as we revel in the, the flourishes of the season, like the Advent candles and the steady influx of Christmas cards and gifts. But in preparing for Advent, we miss something crucial if we overlook the fact that at the heart of Advent, there is a deep wound. God's groaning and limping creation still waits for its healer to appear in glory. And as Christians, we are still waiting for the reality we only know by faith. And to use the language of this week's epistle in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, that we eagerly await the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word revelation is translated from the Greek word apocalypse. Advent is a time when we await for the apocalypse. Some of you might be thinking, but Pastor Neil, 2023 feels apocalyptic enough. Don't tell me there's more. Yes, there is, but it's all good. And we will explore that together over the next few weeks. So with these thoughts in mind, let's ponder our Old Testament text for this week, both Isaiah 64 and also uh, Psalm 80. Uh, uh, they're, they're fitting scriptures for what we want to talk about in this Advent season. Isaiah 64 verses 1 to 9 raises the cry of separation, doesn't it? And draws our attention to the painful but the all too familiar reality of unfulfilled promises. Let's look at, at these words again. It says, rip the heavens apart. Come down, Lord. Make the mountains tremble. Be a spark that starts a fire. Cause the water to boil. Then your enemies will know you who you are. All the nations will tremble because you are nearby. Your fearsome deeds have completely amazed us. Even the mountains shake when you come down. So Isaiah highlights two points of anguish. The first is God's distance. God is up there in the heavens, aloof, distant and unavailable to save his people. And the second source of anguish is Isaiah's memory in verse 3. He refers to God's world-shaking deeds in Israel's past. The fact that Yahweh had acted on behalf of his people in the past. Think about Exodus. Think about Joshua at Jericho and many other times. For Isaiah, this memory is actually a source of pain and anguish because these actions in the past stand in such stark contrast to God's apparent lack of action in the present. 
Psalm 80 has a similar spirit. Unlike other psalms of complaint, Psalm 80 never resolves with praise. It begins with imperatives or obligations. Shepherds of Israel, you lead the descendants of Joseph and you sit on the thrones above the winged creatures. Listen to our prayers and let your light shine for the tribes of Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh. Save us by your power. And the psalm ends with imperatives or obligations indicating that the earlier requests have yet to be fulfilled. Listen to verse 19. It says, Lord, God, all-powerful, make us strong again. Smile on us and save us. So like the season of Advent itself, Psalm 80 exists in unresolved tension. The one whom it calls upon is assumed to be faithful, but that faithfulness remains hidden. For the psalmist, salvation is a hope but not a reality. So the remarkable events of 2023 have demonstrated with cutting clarity this morning humanity's deep need to be rescued from trespasses and pain. Just like Isaiah and the psalmist, our attention has been drawn to the profound contradiction between God's promises and the brutal reality of life on planet Earth. In light of 2023, we could say of Mark's gospel text that the tribulation is here, but the Son of Man remains in the clouds. And on the face of it, it can be seen as a painful irony or a deep contradiction. So Advent invites us to linger in these matters not only on the uh, expectation of Christ's second event, or advent, sorry, or his second coming, but also on the disappointing fact that it hasn't happened yet. So our text from Mark isn't pointing to a future apocalypse, but rather a present one. Mark's gospel is pointing us to a revealing in the now, to a revealing in the present. Christ's death and resurrection changed absolutely everything. Beloved, Christ's death and resurrection changed absolutely everything. Think about that. Our Jesus suffered all that the world and an empire and death could throw at him. And yet, he was raised to new life. And because of that, nothing, will ever be the same again, including your and our present lives and our present situations. So the church for millennia has counseled keeping Advent as a season of active and vigilant preparation for Christmas rather than a constant celebration of Christmas. And that's very good advice. So counseling to keep Advent as a season of active vigilance and active preparation for the coming Christmas. However, that good advice is often misinterpreted. And it's misinterpreted to the point where over the years I've seen it create Christmas Puritans. We all have Christmas Puritans amongst us, do we? Puritans who would rather, or Puritans who would argue about whether or not we should sing Christmas carols. 
which is fine by me for what it's worth. I don't care, okay? Or the pseudo-theological discussions about when to put up the Christmas tree in the sanctuary or when the plastic statues of the Holy Family can be displayed. Personally, I don't care if you put them on the roof, all right? You can put the Christmas tree on the roof. You can put the Holy Family plastic statues on the roof. I don't care. Now, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone, but I just was, but it doesn't matter anyway. So, And please... Bring all the Christmas decorations and the carols. Do whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. You get my point, right? Advent is about preparing. And the line between preparing and celebrating for me is regularly overdrawn. So might our preparing this Advent be more about active seeking? Seeing where God is still entering into our lives in ways that align with God's coming uh, in, in, in vulnerability of the manger, God's coming in his vulnerability in a manger and on the cross. Yes, I think that's what we should do. We should be entering, seeking where God enters our lives in these vulnerable areas because that one event, that, po- that one apocalypse, that revealing in the present changed everything. Jesus coming in a manger and Jesus suffering and dying on the cross. That, those apocalypses, those, that apocalypse, that are revealing, changed everything. And nothing will ever be the same again because of that. And here's the key thought to this Advent apocalypse. God comes to us as we are, not as the people that we are trying to be or have promised to be or so badly want to be or so badly need to be, but the people we are, the families we are, the congregation we are, the communities we are. Is there room for improvement in all these areas? Of course there is. We are imperfect. But the best way to create energy to change is to acknowledge that imperfection and to acknowledge God's saving grace. Perhaps more than any other gospel, Mark offers a distinctly apocalyptic view of not only Jesus, but of the Christian life. Not in the apocalyptic sense of the end of the world, but rather in the revealing, in the sense of pulling back the dark curtain of false hopes, pulling back the dark curtain of false realities in order to reveal God's commitment to enter into, to redeem our lives just as we are. Too often we allow the darkness, the darkness of false hopes, the darkness of false realities. We allow the darkness to deceive us into believing there is nothing worth waiting for or watching for. So we close our eyes and we spiritually fall asleep and we become part of the darkness. We refuse to see the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was always coming to us. We just sang about that. Didn't we? We just sang about that in the first three songs. The danger in the darkness is that we don't give our eyes time to adjust. We don't trust our night vision. Night vision is not about the light around us, but it is the light within us, which can never be extinguished. John 1, 4, 5 and 9 says, In him was light, was life, sorry, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. In Advent, we live in between what was and what will be. We are neither here 
nor there. We are betwixt and between. There are times of transition and it is hard, sometimes even impossible to see the way forward. Times of advent, times of apocalypse remind us that we do not know everything, that we do not see all possibilities and that we can neither predict nor control anything. We are not in charge this morning, beloved. The season of Advent challenges us to give up our usual sources of illumination. The season of Advent challenges us to let go of our habitual ways of knowing and to question our typical ways of seeing. Advent invites us to receive the God who comes to us in the darkness of life. At some point, our world falls apart. Life will change. The lights will go out. More often than not, we see this as the end. When these things happen, Jesus says, remember the fig tree. Read the signs correctly. When its branches become tender and it puts forth leaves, you know summer is near. And so, and so also, when the darkness overtakes your life, know that the Son of Man is near. Christ's presence, our healing, our salvation, it will always take place in the dark and messy parts of life. But here's the promise. We are not and never will be abandoned in the darkness. The advents and the times of apocalypse in our lives Ask us to trust the coming one more than the darkness. It means we must sit, we must listen, we must wait, and we must watch. This is contrary to what most of the world believes and what our society rewards. Beloved, we must show up every moment in our lives. We must show up and just in spite of it, because of it, so we must show up every moment in our lives, not despite of it, but because of the darkness. To show up and be present in the darkness of life is some of the hardest work that you and I will ever do. Because when we run from the darkness, we run from God. And so here's the big idea. Here's the big takeaway this morning. In the darkness of Advent, we move slower. We listen more than we speak. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. We use it proportionally, yeah? Listen twice as much as then when you speak. We listen more than we speak and we hold questions rather than answers. Now that will be tough for some of you. It's one of the things I've... Uh... No, I won't go there. Okay, we wait expectantly but without specific expectations, without our preferences, without our opinions. Waiting in the darkness is an act of faithfulness. It's an act of surrender to the coming one. Waiting becomes our prayer, a prayer that is and will be answered by God's presence. And we do this because Isaiah 64 verse 4 tells us that God works for those who wait for him. So, beloved, Jesus is not stuck in the clouds. There is no need 
for cries of separation as there was in Isaiah's day. There is no need for unresolved tension as it was in the psalmist's day. The world, the empire and death threw everything they had at Jesus. And because of that, nothing will ever be the same again, including your present lives and your present situation. We are apocalyptic people. We are people of revelation. We are Advent people. So in light of all of that, here's my Advent challenge to you. I want you to look around at those near you, those in the pews next to you, those in your families, those in your workplaces, those where you volunteer, those where you shop, those where you do business. And I want you to look at the people in your life with new eyes. Eyes that see, while as, while as imperfect as they are, they are nevertheless meant to be loved and treasured. They are meant to be loved and treasured. Just as God loves you and treasures you. Now, can you imagine an unsaved family member, a loved one, a friend? Can you imagine them getting saved and sitting in church? All because you looked at them with new eyes. And you saw that, you saw the person God sees, the person that was meant to be loved and treasured, just as God loves and treasures you, the person that Jesus died for. Can you imagine that small shift in your perception, that small shift in your words, that small shift in your body language, that small shift that could and might cause that person to question the reality of their mortality? and the destiny of their eternal soul. And that's the Holy Spirit apocalypse. That's what the Holy Spirit apocalypse is all about this morning. That is what Advent is all about this morning. And that's my challenge to you as you leave here and as you go to your homes. Advent, coming. Jesus is coming. We begin the church year today. Today is the beginning of the church year. We're in year B. We started it today. So we begin the church year today. And by looking ahead to the promises of Jesus, second coming. But Mark helps us in all this. He helps us to recognize that Jesus comes into our lives in many and varied ways. About that day and hour, no one knows. But this apocalypse corresponds to the first coming in vulnerability of the manger and in vulnerability of the cross. An advent that continues to reveal the lie of so many false principles, so many false bills of goods that we have bought into. So rather than direct our attention ahead, whether that be to the end times or just to December 25, let me offer a present tense Advent. An Advent that directs our gaze to this present moment through imperfect yet beloved, through fragile yet important, through flawed yet beautiful. These are the very times and moments in which God chooses to meet, in which God chooses to love, in which God chooses to redeem us. Here and now. The Advent beloved of here and now. Let us pray.
God of power and mercy, open our hearts in welcome. Remove the things that hinder us from receiving Christ with joy so that we may share his wisdom and become one with him when he comes in glory. For he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.